Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are continuing on with our series on referrals. And right now I'm sitting in one of my all-time favorite venues, we're at Ma Maison, and I'm with Karen Moise, who's the owner of Ma Maison. It is a boy. I don't even know how to describe it, so I'm going to let her des- her describe it. But it is a gorgeous venue that we've shot at with both of my companies a number of times, and it's just spectacular. So I'm really excited to sit down and talk to her because so much of where our work comes from is from wedding venues. Uh, and getting getting referrals from from wedding venues that we love working at, and when you can get one from a wedding venue that's really spectacular, like Ma Maison, even better. So, uh, Karen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely, uh, Karen. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How long you've been doing this? Uh, what what your wedding venues like? How you describe this place? So a little bit about myself is kind of a real long story, but I'll give you the cliff note version. Um, my background's actually nursing. I was a labor and delivery nurse for 26 years. But while I was in nursing school, my second year of nursing school, one of my really good friends met the love of her life and wanted to get married, but didn't really have the means to be able to host a wedding. And I came home and I asked my mom if we could have Sandy's wedding at our house. And she said, Absolutely. So I cleared out all the living room furniture, went and borrowed uh, chairs from our church and set up basically a ceremony site in our living room. Then um, my aunt, who is a florist, she made the flowers and I've always loved to cook and I made her wedding cake. So at the age of 19, second year nursing school, I started my wedding uh, coordination business. (laughs) That's awesome. So that then led to just doing friends' weddings for fun. Um, I didn't get back into it seriously until I was uh, finished having my children. They were uh, small, and being a nurse was not really conducive to being a mom. It was real hard to be able to split hairs there, so I stopped working in nursing at that point in time, but yet I still felt the need to be able to do something in my spare time. So I joined the Junior League of Houston, which is a huge volunteer organization, and was their special events chair. Oh, okay, cool. So that was your first kind of job back in the industry after you're done having kids. Right. So special events. Um, the Junior League is a great organization, and they would host events from as small as 10 people to like a 3,000-person Martha Stewart event. And so a lot of my league girlfriends that were there said, well, wait a minute, if you can do these huge events, then you can do my daughter's wedding. So then I picked back up and started doing weddings again. Nice. And how long were you doing wedding planning before? So now you own this venue here. Um, How do you kind of make that transition? So again, those same girlfriends, um, a few of their daughters had met or had gone to school at Texas and had fallen in love with Austin and wanted to come back to Austin to get married. So we started looking for places for them to get married. The average guest count for, uh, for wedding guests is 160. Hmm. Unless you're from Texas, then it's 200 because <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. That's right. 
So we were looking around for unique ceremony sites for places to have weddings. Um, and again, we've kind of gotten away from the big churches. People don't want to have weddings in churches anymore. So now they want to go out and have basically that experience. And as we looked around, we never could find anything that could really um, handle more than 150 guests. Um, the majority of the wedding venues out in the Hill Country have been something else. So they've retroed it. They've turned it into a wedding venue. Mm. So it's not really conducive to the, fl- tro- the flow of traffic or, you know, ceremony sites, those visual you know, things that are so important. And so my girlfriend said, well, why don't you build a wedding venue? And I'm like, um, that sounds like risky business to me. <laughs> and I'm not a risk taker. But I finally did. I heeded their advice and I investigated it and saw that there was really a true demand and a market for it. Um, we did a survey and asked brides if they could have had their ideals um, ceremony or reception site, what would it have been like? And that's we really basically then gleaned the the um, wedding industry professionals as well. Like as a photographer, what would you like? As a videographer, what would you like? As a caterer? So we basically had um, information from all those different vendors to be able to be able to build Mommy's Own. Yeah. Wow. That is brilliant. And I think that's probably why I love this venue so much is because you built it with all that feedback from people who are in the industry, but also brides. I think that's one thing that people, a lot of times when they're starting a business and you always hear that stat, nine out of 10 businesses fail in the first couple of years or something. Um, But I think a huge part of that problem is that they haven't done market research in advance. And so I think that's obviously been huge to your success here with Mama Zon. It's just doing that market research, knowing that there is a market for this and then knowing exactly like what is the ideal setup, which you really have here. I wish uh, you guys could see it. So definitely uh, we'll post a link in the show notes so you can see some videos and stuff of the the site, but this place is just spectacular. So you've done an amazing job with it. Thank you very much. Yeah. And so when did this venue open? So our very first wedding was March of 2014. And the first year that we were open, which was essentially just a little over six months, um, we hosted 44 weddings. Our wow. goal was when we opened our doors to have at least 25 weddings on the books. Nice. Um, the second year we were open, we f- did 58. And then last year we did 110 weddings in one year. Wow. That's amazing. So you're averaging like two, uh, two a weekend now. Right. Exactly. That's great. Um, we tell everybody that Fridays and Sundays are the new Saturdays. So it's yeah. really a bonus savings for anybody who wants to get married in a, you know, beautiful atmosphere, but might have a little bit tighter budget. We basically can work with any budget. So if if Saturday prices are out of your price range, then definitely Friday or Sunday are a good option. Awesome. Yeah. And I love when we get those weddings too, because usually we're already booked on Saturday. So we have still availability on Friday and Sunday. So awesome. Tell me just like in your experience doing this, um, I mean, being in this industry for so long, but now being a venue owner is kind of a very different thing than what you, you know, did starting out and and for most of your career in the wedding industry. What's been the biggest challenge for you in starting this new venture of having a wedding venue? I think probably one of our biggest um, issues or problems that we've had are, I'd hate to say it for lack of a better word, but millennials. Um, I have three millennials myself, (laughs) and um, I'd say that they've been raised privileged. But at the same time of being raised privileged, I did a really good job. I think I did 
of trying to show them the entire world as 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 everyone sees it. So I think they have impeccable manners. Um, they're they're givers. That they you know volunteer in a lot of different organizations. My oldest daughter was even a missionary in Ethiopia. So all wow. three of my children are givers. But I think that's unique to such a small amount of the millennials these days. We have given our kids everything. And as a helicopter mom, I can say this, that I've been there to catch them, to prevent them from falling. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fall, sometimes you don't learn from those lessons. So it's working with brides and grooms as well as other vendors. It's having people come onto our property and really don't have manners and so they don't respect each other. They're not, res the, the brides and grooms might be talking, you know, not so kindly to some of our vendors. Hmm. At the same token, we have some vendors that don't talk so kindly to their own employees. Hmm. And that really makes me sad to sure. see that. But basically, it's, it's how you, it really is going back to the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And we strive to give every one of our couples as well as all of our vendors five-star service. And because we know in the long run that that's going to help not only our business, it's going to protect our brand and it's also going to protect our building. Absolutely. Because it's like, it's like you said, and, and I think this goes back to really the golden rule for getting referrals too, is, you know, it, we have to work together. And I think so many people, we've talked about this in a couple of the other episodes in the series is so many people have the mindset of I'm here to do my job and do it with, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I have to. Nobody's going to get in the way of me doing my job the tunnel way that vision. I want to do it. Yeah, right. Vision. Yeah, exactly. And so I think we really have to reframe our mindset to, no, we're on team bride and groom. And it's all about what we can do as a collective team for even these vendors who I'm working with that maybe I'm working with for the first time. But we're all on their team. So if, I, if I'm doing something that maybe is helping myself, but it's hindering another vendor from doing their job well, well, then I'm not looking out for team bride and groom. Um, and so I think that I, I hear you in that. And, you know, we've all been in that situation where there was a vendor that, you know, was just more difficult to work with or had an attitude or something. And, and the truth is we didn't want to work with them again. And so if someone asked about that category, that was not the name that came up, you know, whenever we uh, gave a reference there. So definitely understand that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I always like to refer my vendor partners as my tribe. I mean, we really are kind of like pack animals. We really do kind of hang together in a pack. And if you, you know, behave well, perform well, give good value, give good service, we want you in our tribe. We want you in our pack to be able to serve our other brides and grooms that come along the way. Sure, absolutely. That's that's great advice. Uh, talk to me about this is this is an industry that is just it's fun to be a part of, you know. And and you've been doing it for so long, you know. Uh, I mean, you you've seen so much, and you continue to desire to be in it. I mean, you started a whole new venture just three years ago. So, what's for you like the most fun part about this? What gives you the most life in in running at your own venue? I think running my own venue, obviously owning my own business, but we got into this business because I love, I love being with brides and grooms. I love that day. Um, in the era that there's, you know, unfortunately a high divorce rate, there's actually not a lot of weddings. Um, it's not like you're going out and doing 10 weddings or, you know, buying 10 cars or outfits. 
rarely do you, you're having one or two weddings, but hopefully just one. And you want to make that one be the most amazing, memorable day ever. And we want them to be able to look back fondly, you know, at their wedding, at their wedding photos, at their wedding video, and remember that day like it was just yesterday. And so when I see that, like when I can go back and we, we pull the images from previous weddings or we'll get a video link from a, from a wedding and relive that wedding over and over again in just two minutes, um, nothing makes me happier than drones. Drones are my, <laughs> are my, are my jam now yeah. just because our property is so large photos don't do our, our grounds and our building, you know, justice. So I love seeing drone shots because you can really get the aha moment when you see the property. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They've got this gorgeous lake with a fountain on it and the outside Tell me how you would describe the outside of this venue because it's so unique. You know, I think of almost uh, some sort of Italian mansion or something. How how would you describe it? So we were fortunate enough to buy this property. It was an original like 400-acre ranch that the family um, wanted to get rid of, and so they split it up into 10 pieces. So we were able to get one of the lots. When I say lots, it's kind of loosely. It's 23 acres. Um, but when we purchased the property, we didn't even have a driveway. We didn't have an address. So we started basically from scratch. Um, we fell in love with this particular parcel because it's the highest elevation on this entire ranch. So when you go outside, you can do a 360-degree turn, and all you see are hills and oak trees. We have some of the most incredibly majestic oak trees, 100-year-old oak trees on the property. Yeah. And... Being on the edge, the gateway of the Texas Hill Country, it lends itself very much to what we wanted to build for Mommy's Own. So Mommy's Own is French for my house. My husband's from New Orleans, and his family originated from France. And we wanted our venue to be very much French-inspired. And so, like you said, it's a little bit like a Tuscan villa. Well, Provence is the southern part of France, so it, it butts right up to the northern part of Italy. So it's that kind of like right. that kind of like it look, um, and so we just wanted that feel. Mommy's on is also French for my house, so I wanted the venue to feel more like a home than a commercial property. Yeah. So when you come inside, you, I mean, their furnishings actually from our own home. Um, in our living room area is our living room furniture from our home. So we really wanted people when they come in. I mean, a wedding's an experience. When I got married 32 years ago, it was a ceremony. And you had a little bit of a celebration afterwards. But it wasn't what it is today. And I think it goes back to families are all spread out. So before, we all lived together in the same little town. So it wasn't like, you know, we were, hadn't seen everybody every weekend at church or whatever. Now everybody's not only all over the country, but all over the world. And so our weddings now have turned into family reunions. Right. And so we wanted to be a part of that family reunion, a part of that experience. And we wanted the wedding venue to be more of an experience, to experience the day or the weekend. Yeah. Well, you've done a spectacular job. It even has this really cool, We I don't know what you call it. I call it a birdcage out here. It's like this, uh, describe that for me a little bit. So that's our gazebo and it does look like a giant birdcage. Yeah. Um, when we were creating the property or creating the building, we owned the property for about three years before we actually broke ground. We came out and did light studies. We did wind studies. And we actually positioned the building 
and we think the perfect spot on this property because it takes advantage of all the views and everything. So once we got the building laid out, then we started looking for areas for our ceremony sites. We have three outdoor ceremony sites and they double in size and they're all clearly uniquely different. Mm -hmm. So our Lakeview site, that's the smallest of our three. That one can seat 150 and it sits right in front of our lake. Um, our next ceremony site is called the Green Cathedral, and that's actually named after where my kids went to summer camp in the mountains of North Carolina. The hemlocks formed almost like a church cathedral over the top of your head. And so where that ceremony site probably has about 800-year-old oak trees, and when you go out there and look up, you can't even see the sky. It's completely mm -hmm. covered. Um, and then our third site is the Grove, and that's the largest, and it can seat 600. So we, once we found our three ceremony sites, then we started thinking about what we we're going to put at each one of those sites. And I also wanted to create, for lack of a better word, photography rooms. So when a photographer comes out here, they can go to probably countless number of places on our property and have different images from every wedding. Because we did not want cookie cutter weddings. Hmm. We wanted everybody to be able to put their own thumbprint on their wedding and so one of the things that I had always wanted was a small little gazebo. It's one of those cool little photography rooms. Yeah. And so I found there was a, a architectural antique shop in Houston, and they had one of the most adorable little antique gazebos there. So I stopped, pulled over, went inside, asked the owner, inquired about the gazebo, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, that one's not for sale. But I've got a larger one out back in our warehouse that I'll give you a deal on. And I'm thinking, I'm building a very expensive wedding venue right now. I, I'm kind of strapped for cash. I don't have anything extra. So I probably can't afford the little one. So I seriously doubt I can afford the big one. But I'm like, but I'll go look at it. So he takes me out back into this ratted, rusted, holy shed. And he shows me this, this gazebo. And, of course, it did not look like that. Sure. It was in about 200 pieces. And it had rope tying together like 10 pieces at a time. Yeah. And it was so old that the rope was like paper. It was just disintegrating. Wow. And so, but he, he had a photograph of what it looked like. And it was originally in someone's garden in France over a hundred years ago. Wow. So I could tell from the photograph that it was going to be spectacular. So he did make me a really incredible offer, but I had to go ask my husband how much he <laughs> loved me first. <laughs> I believe that because it is spectacular. And, and, Honestly, it's what everybody knows when they think of Mamezon is, is, you know, that gazebo is just spectacular. I got to do a photo couple shoot, um, I can't remember how long ago, uh, six or nine months ago, uh, but we actually did the, uh, the ceremony at a different site, but we went back over to the gazebo uh, for evening photos and it was just spectacular. There's some of my favorite images. So it's, it's unique. It's become, when people see that gazebo, they know that's mommy's own. And it clearly, that was an accident. I mean, mm -hmm. that we stumbled upon that. Right. And I, I've seen that happen time and time again. I call them God winks that we've had with our business, that these little things just keep popping up. Like I never in a million years, if I had wanted to find that, I wouldn't have found it. And it found me. And it clearly, it's like the anchor to our, to our property. I mean, and you can even just go out and take images of just like maybe a square foot of the gazebo and that's portrait itself without even a person in it. It's just so unique. Right. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So 
definitely check that out if you live somewhere else uh, so that you can be filled with envy that you don't get to shoot here. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Okay, tell me about this. I think as someone who owns a venue, you are, I mean, you're the first hire for someone, you know, because usually it goes hand in hand with picking the date for the wedding. You know, you, you kind of pick a range of dates, you find a venue and then you say, okay, when are you available in this range of dates? So you really, you're the first one. Um, so in a lot of ways, more than any other venue and any other vendor, uh, you hold the keys to the kingdom really. Um, and so that's why I wanted to talk to you, to you specifically is because, uh, probably more so than anyone really, you know, sec, uh, you know, probably second place would be like a planner um, is people go to you to ask, Hey, who do you recommend for the various categories they plan on hiring? Um, so as that, I'm curious, what kind of pressure do you feel on yourself to make sure that you give great recommendations to your clients? Um, that's an excellent question because if I'm going to recommend a vendor, I'm going to recommend that vendor and they could have shot, covered, videoed, made the cake for my own daughter. I, I, I take our relationships very seriously. Um, we don't have actually a preferred vendor list on our website anymore because I was getting a lot of pressure from a lot of vendors really wanting to be on our preferred vendor list. And, and it would be really hard. They go, well, can we pay you to be on our, on our vendor list? And I'm like, geez, no, you can't pay me. Right. And, and unfortunately that's a practice, but a lot of the venues around here that you can be paid to put, be put on the venue list. Um, every vendor that works here that I refer, it would be like referring uh, my own child or my husband or whatever. I, I want to have a good relationship with them. And again, so how do you get on our preferred vendor list? Cause we actually do have one that we give them in their hand hmm. is service. You know, for someone to, and this is a great advice for anybody out there that's listening. If you want to get on someone's preferred vendor list, rarely are you going to be able to pick up the phone and say, Hey, or shoot them an email. Can we be on your vendor list? Or or, what better question is, how can we get on your vendor list? And of course the answer to that is, is relationships. And so we don't seek out people. So, you know, you came, the bride hired you. We didn't know anything about you. And then you came out. And you shot this amazing video that whenever you're shooting, you want to be able to see that emotion in it. It's obviously the song choices that you put to to the video, how, what clips that you're putting in there, your editing process. And so seeing that finished product, whether it be a cake, a video, photography, you know, photographs, it's seeing that actual finished product and the emotion that it brings. But more importantly, when you're here, the last thing we want to have to do is come up and say, um, could you not stand on our antique furniture with your shoes on? <laughs> we or, know you want that angle, but. <laughs> right. We have lots of step ladders here. Yeah. Um, we do have a lot of expensive antiques, a lot of family heirlooms. Um, we actually put two hooks on our bridal suite. One over the door. One, actually two doors. The One of the doors leading outside that has natural light. And then one inside on our barn doors. And so the contrast for that is you've got these dark, you know, um, walnut stained doors. And you've got this beautiful white dress against it with a crystal chandelier in the background. So, and we provide you a hook so you can actually pick the dress up and put it on that hook. But please, I don't want to come in the bridal suite and see it hanging from our antique chandelier. 
or from my antique gold mirror that's that's is easily chipped. So it's just right. you want those images, but just kind of be respectful of where you're wanting to hang that dress. And is it going to are you going to leave a mark after you're done? Because yeah. we don't if it's going to leave a mark, then we're probably not going to have you come back. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. Um, cool. So talk to me then about the, maybe the flip side of that is what is there specifically that when you think about, I'm going to refer a videographer, you just feel like you're very much at ease with that, you know, with that recommendation. Definitely. Again, it goes back to relationships. Have you served our, our prior, you know, brides and grooms? Well, did you provide them a good product? Um, was the service good? I mean, any, any time, and occasionally on my list, I've given it to brides and grooms and they've hired somebody from that list and they've come back to us and let us know that their service wasn't, wasn't what I had billed it as that I had basically promised. If you choose anybody from this list, know that they're vetted and they're going to give you great service. Right. And I've had a few come back and say, you know what? We didn't get good service. And the answer to that is we're all entitled to a bad day. Something right. happened. You know, we got into a fight with a spouse. We got bad grade. We got into a car accident. We got a letter from the IRS. We were all entitled to a bad day. Our brides and grooms can't see that bad day. So I'll give you a pass the first time, but I'm going to follow up with you because it's so funny. Our brides and grooms, they won't. They'll go on Yelp or they'll go on Wedding Wire and give you a bad review when I would love for them to have actually given me a phone call first to say, Hey, how could I have served you better? Hmm. So, but if a bride and groom comes back a second time with the same complaint, then I'll, I'll send them a really nice email to say that this has now happened more than once. And it's my reputation. It's my brand. Cause I vouched for you. And they've come back now to tell me that they didn't get the service that I had promised they were going to get. Sure. Yeah, for sure. That was going to be one of my follow-up questions. Actually, I was just curious, you know, has that happened before? So it sounds like you've had that that experience before and that probably even adds to your level of, hey, I really have to trust this person, you know, which leads back to the idea of you're not going to pay to be on my list, you know, because ultimately it's your reputation uh, of for you and for your company that's Absolutely. really on the line whenever you give a recommendation. So, yeah, definitely understand that. I wanted to take a quick break here in the middle of the show to tell you about a new way that I'm saving thousands of dollars a year on music licensing. First of all, if you're new to making wedding films, you should know that you can't just pay 99 cents to iTunes and use that in your videos online. It's against the law, and you could face a heavy fine or even jail time. Yikes! So, until now, you've had to pay somewhere between $10 to $50 per song on average to get good music for your wedding films legally. And then, if you want to use that same song in a different video, you have to pony up the cash again. For some of you, this means paying well north of $5,000 a year in music licensing fees. So, what if you could get unlimited, amazing licensed music for your wedding films for only $135 a year? This is amazing. I used to spend that much just on one video. If you want to learn more, go to soundstripe.com or click the link on our website. And now, Soundstripe is offering 10% off to our listeners with the code WFA10. So again, go to soundstripe.com and use WFA10 to get 10% off of your full year of fantastic licensed music for your videos today. 
Not only that, but when you use code WFA10 at checkout, your purchase helps support the Wedding Film Academy to keep bringing you amazing free content to help you make better wedding films and run a more successful business. Um, what's something specific that someone could do? You know, you asked the question of, or you made the statement of, rather than asking, hey, will you put me on your vendor list, saying, how can I get on your vendor list? So I'll ask that question to you then, is what's something that, that a videographer could do to come to you um, to do for you that would kind of put you at least on their radar of wanting to put, put you um, or for you to put them on their vendor list. For And they haven't shot a wedding here before? Is that what you mean? Uh, it could be either way. Maybe you give both examples, I guess. So I would say if you haven't shot a wedding here before, um, I mean, we, we open our property up to photographers and to videographers all the time to be able to come out and do style shoots. Um, there's nothing more fun than for a planner to come out here and do a style shoot. Everybody always gets the photographer because they want those images for magazines. Rarely do they remember, you know, it's really cool to get actually do a video of a style shoot. Right. Because you can watch the behind the scenes. And that could be used by everybody that's participating in that style shoot. Right. So that's an excellent way. And then when the bride sees that work of that style shoot because she's wanting ideas, they're going to say, I, I really like that person's work. They really did a great job. I love the angle that they got. Hmm. Um, another thing that we're very big in is basically sharing our property for education purposes. Hmm. So if you wanted to have like a drone clinic and we're going to te- teach a class on how to fly a drone or teach a class on capturing the best angles or how to run a timeline or whatever, we open the property up and we allow you to come in basically to use the property for free because it's part of our give back to our vendor partners. Um, if you have shot a wedding here, um, obviously, you know, sharing it, sharing your, the two minute clip, um, nothing makes us happier, happier than the share clip. We blog like crazy yeah, and it's great to be able to put those clips in that blog, but to provide link backs. So if you're sharing it on your website, to have a link back to mommy's own so they can then, you know, come over to see mommy's own because they're looking at your video and vice versa. We do the same thing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we've actually even done blogs. We did a blog. It's probably been a year now where we chose like our top 10 favorite venues. And of course y'all were on that list. Cause I just, I love this place, but uh, yeah, I think just that mutual sharing and not just, I think one of the things that, seems to be an attitude for a lot of people in the industry is it's a you scratch you know you scratch my back I'll scratch yours but I think that's the wrong mentality I think the the more appropriate mentality is hey I just want to be helpful and if that ends in you not ever helping me oh well I was still helpful and I did something that was good and it was you know good for the industry it was good for you and it made me feel better if if that's all it is then you know that's all it is it may come back and help you out, but but maybe not. And I think having that mindset of I'm going to be good and helpful to anyone in the industry, regardless of whether or not it helps me, I, th- I think that attitude and that mindset is going to just take you so much further than a, hey, if I do this for you, I expect this in return, which is probably a request that you get probably often is, you know, hey, I'll come take some photos of your venue if you'll put me on your vendor list. And there's the, there's that string attached um, so that's something that I, I think too many people in this industry, again, just, just kind of have that mindset, which is in my opinion, 
not not the best approach you know just having a general attitude of 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 helpfulness and of care and treating other people like you said before you know the golden rule treating other people the way that you'd like to be treated um without any strings attached to that so i love that that approach you're taking there i'm actually in a non-wedding industry networking group Hmm. so it's a networking group with right our group is about 50 members wide strong and only one person in each industry. So, like, hmm. just a single roofer, a plumber, okay. an electrician, a realtor, so so on, so on, so on. But the philosophy of our group is giver's gain. Right. And so we build amazing trust by being givers. Mm-hmm. And and that's always been my philosophy anyway in our family. We, we're givers. We're a family of givers. And for that, I think we've been abundantly rewarded hmm. by being givers. So I would like to see that more in the industry of giving without expecting anything in return because nothing will build trust faster or better with any of our venue partners or vendor partners than to have that, that's that shared philosophy of givers gain and not be a taker because it just, it doesn't work to be a taker, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. There's the, um, I'm, I'm probably going to totally butcher the saying, so maybe I shouldn't even do it. But there's there's a saying that I've heard about, you know, how how clenched fists can't accept anything, you know, um, and I think it's that approach of of you know the open palm that that is able to to give freely, but also to receive that way, and it just it just happens that way if you come to it with that approach, you know. It's Absolutely. like most of the just kind of as, a, as an example of that most of the wealthiest people I know are also the most generous people I know. And I don't think that it's that they're generous now that they're wealthy. I think in a lot of ways it's um, their generosity that led to their success in life. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, talk to me. I think there's there's so many things. We see this a lot when you look on, like, Facebook forums for similar, you know, for I don't know if you'll have one for, for venues or not. Uh, venue owners or anything but in a lot of a lot of the industry you know it's like wedding photographers have a group wedding videographers have some groups djs probably have groups um and a lot of times when you go onto those forums you'll see people kind of ranting about oh well this other vendor did this thing that was so annoying or so unprofessional or whatever do you have any stories of examples of where a videographer did something and you're like oh my goodness i can't believe they did that they're definitely never going on my list. Do you have anything like that? I think I can share, and it just actually happened to me in the past week or so, and it wasn't uh-huh. a videographer. It was a photographer. Okay. And again, being the giver that we are, she was getting new into her business and wanted to come out and do a style shoot so she could have some images for her for her website. Absolutely. Because that's we love to give back that way. I was actually out of the country, so I wasn't here when she came in for her photo shoot. But we have pretty much a stand standards of operations in place for when people come out. We want to have a copy of their insurance. We want to see their design board or their storyboard of what they're planning on doing. We want to see their vendor list. So it's kind of our way of vetting that person for coming onto our property. And she had been repeatedly asked for all these things, which um, she did not provide. Um, again, I was out of the country, so I didn't know this was just taking place. Um, she came out for her style shoot 
it was going to then be just kind of like a ceremony type style shoot. So the next thing you know, there are about 10 cars here. There's a bride and a groom and there's a officiant and there's about 30 guests sitting outside for a ceremony. Oh, wow. And so I looked on her Facebook page when her images came up and she posted this ceremony and it was basically, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm so blessed and fortunate to be able to have these amazing friends that I was able to shoot their wedding. They did a real wedding out here. I, I, that was my impression because oh I read goodness. it to that. She shot their ceremony. So it sounds like, I mean, I never heard of bringing guests to a styled shoot. Right. So needless to say, my blood pressure went from, you know, 120 over 80 to 200 over a hundred. But I just sent her basically, I need you to call me ASAP. And so I had her call me. She didn't call right away. And she called a couple hours later, which was probably good for her because I was able to actually calm down. And I just basically said, I saw this on your website. I saw this on Facebook. Did you really pull the wool over our eyes and stage a ceremony here without our permission? And she goes, oh, I promise you, it really wasn't a wedding. You know, it was just some friends. I, prob- I promise you, the, 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 it was all staged and just kept going on and on. And I'm like, and then I actually got more angry. Yeah. I got more angry because of my great relationships that I have with photographers that come out here and are having to chase the light and chase the emotion and try to get those great images without being able to stage a ceremony and now she's passed off this fake ceremony as a real ceremony and it really was a style shoot but it's not a clear representation of her work because she could pose the bride a certain way that one of her other photographers that had they have to figure that out on 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 the on the fly right and so um like i said that actually upset me more than i thought Wow. And so I asked her to please remove all the images from her Facebook page and her website because she didn't have any, she didn't have, since she hadn't provided any of the documentation we gave her, she actually didn't have written uh, permission to be on our property. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so trespassing, putting on a fake wedding, uh, n- not communicating with you. Uh, yeah, that's, there's, there's a lot going on there. And so, so don't do that. Right, don't, don't do that. <laughs> But so here's here's uh, the second part of that story. I've started noticing, and again, I, I hate to keep giving the millennials the rap here, the bad rap, but they've been reading that whenever there's a W before your inquiry, in other words, I'm, I'm having a wedding, that we all jack our prices up dramatically because it's a wedding. And so I've now started to see and hear from people going, well, I'm just going to contact them and have them make me a cake, and I'm not going to say it's a wedding cake. Or I'm not going to tell this person that it's a wedding. It's something else. And so now our brides and grooms are being not transparent and kind of shady, thinking they're going to get a better deal by not saying it's a wedding, and then you show up, oh, it is a wedding. So you've had brides and grooms come here? I not not I haven't had that happen to me. Yeah, but I'm I've seen it with a couple like I've seen it with a bakery. Okay, and yeah, I've seen yeah. it with a DJ. 
Yeah. I'm just having a, a party. I'm just uh-huh. having a party. Right. And so can you just come and just play? I know I looked on your website and your contract, it's a four hour minimum, but we're just having a party. Can you do it for two hours? And can you give me a deal? And so some, some, these people are doing it Yeah. for a reduced rate. Cause it's not a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Which we all know who are in this industry because it's a wedding, there's so much more involved than just a regular party or a family reunion or whatever else you would try to pass it off as. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so beware. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I hope nobody is thinking about doing something like this, but if you are, stop it. <laughs> or just be aware that it might happen to you. Right. So ask good questions when it's just a party that they're inquiring that they want you to come and shoot just a couple of hours of footage because it's just a party. Right. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that's happened that's been maybe more subtle than that um, for a wedding videographer or photographer who's who's come to your wedding or come to do a wedding at your venue? They've you know just seen or observed something that they did that thought, oh, I, you know, that was really unprofessional. I'd prefer not to work with them again. So believe it or not, and I know you probably will, um, there are a lot of our vendors that consume our bridal parties alcohol. Ah. It's pretty standard, obviously, in the music industry because obviously a band, they're used to, you know, having a few drinks, having a few beers to perform. A lot of them actually put it in their rider that you have to have um, that in your rider to be able to have them come out. But it's not the same thing for a videographer, photographer, a, you know, any wedding coordinator. And so we had actually one of our vendors come out and actually I I saw them probably go to the bar maybe six times. And I had to go up to that vendor to say, first off, did they give you permission to consume their alcohol? And second off, you've already had five drinks too many. You should have, if you're going to have one, you're working, right? They, you're not a guest, right? They, yeah. they paid you to be here yeah. to capture their wedding. Six drinks, man. So now when we do our final planning meeting, we ask our bride and grooms, I know this is really a strange question to ask, but is it okay if your vendors consume your alcohol while they're here working for you? And believe it or not, some of them say, sure, it's a party. The more the merrier. Sure. And you know what? And that's great. So then I have it in paper. I have it down on writing. Sure. But I'd say in our industry, you're working. You know, you don't want your FedEx driver, you know, consuming alcohol when he's out there driving. You know, sure. we, we encourage them to provide transportation for our guests. We've not encouraged them yet to provide transportation for their vendors. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's that kind of goes back to that level of professionalism sure. to – to don't don't drink the guest alcohol sure. while you're working. Yep, I can totally understand that perspective for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's actually a discussion that I've seen on the forums quite a bit on for for videographer forums is do you do you not when is it possibly okay or not all those kind of things. I think one of the things I've um, you know I've seen come to as like a a, a decent conclusion for a lot of people is. Don't ever drink it. Maybe one drink if the bride or groom themselves puts it into your hand. And, you know, I can certainly understand that perspective. Um, but if it ever gets past that, you know, it's it's probably going to start to impair 
your job and what you're able to do for them. So, and six drinks, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you mentioned this before talking about, you love it whenever people send a video to you. Um, is that something, talk to me about uh, how you're using that. You mentioned on the blogs and things, how helpful is that to you? And um, you know, what is the, what does that do for your relationship with that, that videographer? Um, it's, it's obviously great. We put it on all of our platforms. So we have videos on every platform that we actually go out and do for social media. We'll also, um, we'll, if they'll ask us for specific, you know, if we've given them our list and then go, well, but now can you really like narrow that list down? We'll go on and we'll cut and paste several links, hyperlinks and give those to the bride and groom so they can actually go on and see your work right. ahead of time to see if it's a good fit. Because obviously, and it's also an interview process. I have all my brides and grooms say, just because I think they're great and I work well with them, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a good match for you. So you really need to, that's the time you can go out and have a beer with them. So go out and meet them for a beer and sit down and talk with them and see if y'all are going to be a good match. Because y'all are going to be together for, you know, a good six, eight, ten hours. Yep, absolutely. And so much of it is just subjective, you know. You might like someone's work, but the bride and groom, they have a different style. Even if it's quality work, they just had a different style of something they were going for. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, is there anything else that's just you feel like you would love to say to the wedding videographer community at large? Um, well, this is going to come from one of your video clips because one of the weddings that you shot here was in the fall. And we had a monarch butterfly garden. Yeah, that and was beautiful. that garden would have about probably about 80 to 100 monarchs on it because we're right in the middle of the migration from, from up north down to Mexico. And this mm-hmm. is where they stop over and, and tank up. And several of the clips did that. But you you picked up clips from not only from the butterflies because that is was a lot of emotion. There's so much emotion that you can pick up just from not only the bride and groom, but um, like, like I said, you, you shot those, those monarchs or you did a, a, a zoom in of hands. I think hands are very important. They tell a story more than anybody knows. Right. So just taking those cues of like looking around. So instead of looking at the big picture, which is kind of what a videographer normally does versus a photographer, kind of take it down to tunnel vision and look at the small things that I promise you the bride didn't see. And when she sees your video, she's going to say, oh, my gosh, I missed that. I didn't see that. But you captured it. Right. And that will bring it back home for her. Absolutely. And I think that's spectacular advice. You know, all those little details. Because for any of our any of our listeners out there who are actually married themselves, they realize, man, the day goes by so fast and you don't see all these moments. You know, So I remember even looking back at some photos and being like, oh, I forgot that person was even there, you know, so, which is like a much bigger detail than even, you know, the monarchs coming through. But, but all those things, I think, add to, to the overall story and the feel and the emotion of what happened. So, yeah, great advice. I really appreciate that. Well, if our listeners want to go somewhere to find out more about what you guys are doing and see the work that's been done here, where can they go to check out more about Mom Maison? So our website's the best. Um, it's www.themommyzone, so that's T-H-E, 
and then M-A-M-A-I-S-O-N.com. And we've got a gallery on there. So we've got a gallery of, of weddings on there as well as video clips. Um, and then all of our social media pages, which are obviously updated every day. There's a lot on there to, awesome. to see. And a lot of our little unique places where you can go in and capture video or go in and do stills and things like that. Spectacular. Cool. Well, thanks again so much for letting me sit down here with you and uh, in your beautiful space and just chat with you about all this. I think this has been really helpful. I think that uh, this would be something I would encourage you to go back to and listen to again. Um, you know, after you've listened to it once, give it six months and come back to it again, because as wedding videographers, we need to constantly be about pursuing relationships with other people and getting ourselves out there because there's just a constant flow of new brides and we don't have repeat customers very often we hope. Um, and so really getting ourselves out there and getting yourselves, particularly in the venues that, that you personally love that really inspire you and your work, I think is really helpful. So definitely come back and listen to this interview with Karen to just get some great advice on what you can be doing to actively build great relationships with other vendors. Thanks so much again for coming on. Thanks for having me. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.